And for those who lived in the land where death cast its shadow, a light has shined. Let me read that again, because we have a tendency just to skim over it and not really pay attention. The people who sat in darkness have seen a great light. For those who lived in the land where death cast its shadow, a light has shined. One of the recurring topics in scripture that we see over and over is that of people being oppressed and then God bringing liberation and, and healing and freedom to them. That's something we don't particularly like to talk about. But if you're a child of God, you certainly recognize the fact that the Lord has set you free from the bondage of sin and death. And uh, it's interesting there. I want to jump now to Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 21 to 23. And here's what the scripture says that we're supposed to be able to pass on to the next generation of our children and believers. And thou shalt say unto thy son, We were Pharaoh's bondmen in Egypt, and the Lord brought us out of Egypt with a mighty hand. Praise God. And the Lord showed signs and wonders, great and sore, upon Egypt, upon Pharaoh, and upon all his household, before our eyes. And he brought us out from thence that he might bring us in. Did you get that? He brought us out so he could bring us in to give us the land which he swear unto our fathers. Now, it's, it's really interesting there that we understand that there is land that God has given to the people of Israel. And it doesn't matter how much we try to politicize things and make it appear as if they are the uh, aggressors and that they are not the ones that belong in certain places. God has given them land. And I'm prom I promise you, as a nation, we need to be careful to recognize that we need to support Israel strongly and I say that I say that understanding that God is looking out for his people Israel he always has and he always will he swore that to Abraham and amen and he is carrying out carrying out his plan hallelujah if we don't realize the, the depths to which God has delivered us if we don't understand where God has brought us from to where we are now, then we're not going to then we're not going to appreciate what God is has done and the value that you have in His sight. We have a tendency to um, just just follow what people say we are. We're so interested in, in our reputation. Now, our reputation is what people think we are. Our character is what we really are. Sometimes they're not the same. Matter of fact, most times they're not the same. 
Because one thing can give you a certain reputation that you'll never get away from for the rest of your life. And it may not be who you are at all. But you understand that that is the reputation that you deal with. But your character is something that you are improving and working on every day you live. But if we don't understand where God brought us from, then we're not going to understand how valuable we are in the eyes of God. Jesus taught us about this immoral woman in the New Testament. She had had five husbands and was living with one that was not her husband. But yet when she met the Lord, she began to honor Jesus in such a way that many people don't ever understand. And why she had such a great love for him, God had forgiven her of much. And remember the Bible says, to whom much has been given, then much is required. So I want you to understand here, the Bible teaches that every one of us needs forgiveness. You may not have done the same sins that someone else has done, but we are all those who have been born in sin and shaped in iniquity. And I want to tell you today, you need to understand that you are a child of God and you have great value in His eyes. You're not just a throwaway, glory to God. And there's an enemy out there who is determined to keep you in bondage of what people say you are. Or keep you in bondage of what you once were. And I want to tell you, a Gideon now is a good example for that thing. Uh, if you'll turn maybe to Judges chapter 6. And verse 6, let me look at it. The Midianites and the other people now have been raiding Israel for a long time, taking their crops, stealing their livestock, so that the people were actually impoverished. And when we get our first look of Gideon, he's hiding behind the wine press, so he can't be seen by the enemy when the Lord begins to speak to him. Gideon rises up from behind that wine press because of one thing. He was a fearful person. He was intimidated. I, I, I get the idea he was very introverted. He was a quiet person. He kind of kept to himself. He didn't feel like he had anything to offer that would be of significance. If that sounds like somebody you know, pay close attention. Because God is always willing to take what we think cannot work and turn it around and make it successful for the kingdom of God. He is not looking for people who have mega talents and who can do everything. I've discovered in my years of being in ministry that most of the time the most talented people that you have in your church are the hardest people in the church to keep them faithful and to keep them committed to what God has called them to do. Because we have a tendency to rely on our talent. 
We have a tendency to rely on our ability and say, I don't have to pray as much today, man, I got this. I don't have to practice like other people do because I've got this. But I want you to understand that all of your efforts and all of your abilities are absolutely worthless unless they are committed to God and submitted to Him and by the plan that He has for your life. Glory to God. Gideon was fearful, intimidated. He's hiding behind the wine press, threshing wheat, hiding the wheat from the enemy because they've been stealing all of it. And his family is hungry. And so he's hiding, just threshing some wheat to have something to take home for his family to eat. Who would ever think that God would even notice someone like that who was displaying cowardly characteristics? He was not an aggressive person. He was not the one that you would be looking for to see if he could actually take a prominent role in the deliverance of Israel. He's scared. <laughs> he's hiding. And he's intimidated. You know anybody like that? Do you know anybody who really deep down would love to be doing something for God, but they are fearful? They feel intimidated because they can't do it as well as someone else does it. So we hide behind our little walls and we fail to do what God has called us to do. Amen, preacher. You know I'm telling you the truth. But I want to tell you where, where Gideon saw himself as being such a little person. Look what he said. Israel was greatly impoverished because of the Midianites. And the children of Israel cried unto the Lord. Keep going, verse 7. And the Bible says, verse 7. Israel was greatly impoverished. And thou shalt teach them diligently to thy children. And you shall talk of them when you sit in your house. And when you walk by the way, and when you lie down, and when you rise up. Now he said, inside your home is where you need to be worshiping. It isn't just about the position that you take publicly so everybody will speak well of you. But it's even more important that in your home you take the authority that you're supposed to have in the name of Jesus. Because that's where your sphere of influence is. It's in your home. You're either influencing your family for good or you're influencing your family to the bad. And you are the one making that choice. You go teach them into your children and you go talk of them when you sit in your house and when you walk by the way, when you lie down and when you rise up. You need to be talking about the Lord and teaching your children the ways of God in everything that you encounter in life. Glory to God. Verse 8. Let's look at verse 8 now. I'm going to go a little bit further here. And the Bible is so clear. Thou shalt bind them for a sign upon thine hand, 
and they shall be frontlets between thine eyes. That's why when you go to Israel today, you see these Orthodox Jews with this little black box that's right there and a strap around their head. They're binding them between the frontlets of their eyes because that's what God said they were supposed to do to the word of God. Verse, verse 9, let's look a little further here. Thou shalt write them upon the post of thy house and on thy gates. Verse 10, and he said, and it shall be when the Lord thy God shall have brought thee. I want you to look at that, shall have brought thee. Future perfect tense. It has not happened yet. And you're simply going on the promise that God gave you that it's going to happen. You're living every day determined to see what God has told you is going to happen. It shall have come forth. It hasn't happened yet. It's still future. But I want to tell you, God has not forgotten it, not one moment. It shall be when the Lord thy God shall have brought thee into the land which he sware to your fathers, to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, to give thee great and goodly cities which thou buildest not, verse 11, and houses full of all good things which thou fillest not, and wells dig which you didn't dig, <laughs> vineyards and olive trees which you didn't plant, when thou shalt have eaten and are full, look at verse 12, he said, Then beware lest thou forget the Lord which brought thee forth out of the land of Egypt from the house of bondage. This is a great sign of warning to people that when the blessings of God begin to be manifested in your life, and every one of us in here probably have it better than you've ever had it before. You might be lacking in some areas now, but all of us are blessed beyond measure. We have anything we want to eat. We have more clothes than we can wear. When I see the amount of clothes that people bring for Brother John to, to distribute out there, bags and bags and bags full of clothes. We got more clothes than we can wear. We got more food than we can eat. We got a house way too big for what we need. Be careful lest we forget what the Lord has done for us. Lest we forget where God has brought us from. Do you remember those times when you didn't fear the Lord? You didn't care anything about Him? You didn't care about His work or anything? You were interested in satisfying what this flesh wanted. And now, God has touched your life and made a new person out of you. And you don't think like you used to think. You don't go to the places you used to go. And you don't talk the way you used to talk. Glory to God. Hallelujah. We need to remember what the Lord has done for us. When God spoke to Gideon, Gideon said, I love what he called him. The New Living Translation says that God said, Mighty hero, the Lord is with you. <laughs> Here's this little quiet man 
hiding from the enemy and God is speaking to him, calling him a mighty hero. Glory to God, glory to God. I want to tell you today, you are what God says you are. You are not what the enemy tries to pull you down. You are not what other people accuse you of. You are what the Lord says you are. And Gideon, you are a mighty hero. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Look at, look at, look at what Gideon's, look at his opinion of himself. He said, how can I rescue Israel? My clan is the weakest in all of Manasseh, and I'm the least in my clan. I mean, God, I mean, hey, God, you sure you're talking about me? I mean, man, I, I've never taken any martial arts courses. I've never gone to artillery school. I don't know anything about fighting. I'm, 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 I'm just a man that's trying to get a little bit of wheat to take it home to my family. And I'm going to be satisfied with that. But God is not satisfied with that. Remember the little woman that met Elijah. And she said, let me go bake a little cake for me and my son. And we're going to eat that and die. She was satisfied. Whew. She was satisfied to be less than what God had called her to be. She said, I'm going to eat that and I'm going to die. Elijah said, you need to hear what the Lord is speaking to you today. Don't you be satisfied to settle for less than what God has put in place for you. Uh, glory to God. He said, have you taken a look at me, God? I'm the 90-pound weakling. <laughs> I'm, I'm not the other picture where the guy's all muscled up. I'm the 90-pound weakling on this side, and I can't do it. My clan is the smallest clan in a hall of Israel, and I'm the weakest one in my clan. Now, the man had a low opinion of himself. If he had gone by what he felt and what he saw, he would have never been anything. But God calls him a mighty hero. Mighty hero. I've got a work for you to do. Hallelujah. I want to tell you Satan has been lying to you all of your life. He's been telling you you can't do this and you can't do that. He's been telling you the church will never accept you. They'll never open their arms to you. You'll never be able to be like other people. Well, I want to tell you, God is speaking your name today, and he is saying you can rise above your shortcomings. You can rise above your talent level. I hear people say all the time, well, God's not going to call you to do something you can't do. I dispute that. I tell you everything that God calls you to do. He's calling you to do something that you can't do. And you're going to have to depend on him. He's going to have to be the strength. He's going to have to be the power. And that's how you know it's of God because you can't do it. And you're going to have to have the presence of the Lord walking with you. Hallelujah. 
Lie number one that Satan tells you, you are nothing. He tells you, you are nothing. Many people have been demeaned and degraded and put down and, and put down by other people's words and actions, and they feel like they absolutely have nothing to say. And my value as a human being is down to zero. But I want to tell you now that I want, you to, I want to show you something. You're only, you know, anything is only valued by what somebody will give you for it. Now, we have this appraisal stuff where they'll walk in there and they'll look at what you have and they will compare it to other things that have been sold at certain prices to tell you what it's worth. I look at this pen here. If this, is anybody in this church that will give me $5,000 for this pen? Not a single one. So the value of this pen is nowhere near what I'm appraising it for. So, but what if this pen was used by John F. Kennedy to sign one of the documents that he signed? Then it would take on much greater significance because of who it was connected to. Well, I want to tell you one thing. Satan has put you down and made you think you're worthless and you're a nothing and a nobody. But you need to understand, according to Jeremiah chapter 31 and verse 3, God says, I have loved you with an everlasting love and with loving kindness I have drawn you. Glory to God. You're connected to God. Just like that pen would be connected to John F. Kennedy. You are connected to God. And that makes you valuable. He has loved you with an everlasting love. Glory to God. Secondly, God did not choose you. God, you did not choose God. He chose you. According to John 15, 16, God chose me. I didn't choose him to start with. He chose me. It's the will of God that everybody be saved. There is not a question in my mind. For God so loved the world. That means everybody, folks. It's the will of God that everybody be saved. I've heard people pray and say, Lord, if it's your will, save my son. You can save your breath. I can tell you it's God's will for your son to be saved. It's always God's will. So we didn't choose God. He chose us when he was on Calvary. He chose all of us to forgive us of our sins if we would receive it and accept it. Thirdly, we didn't die for him. He died for us. I'm showing your value now and who you're connected to. The world says you've not a very much value unless you take on their values. But God would have you to understand that you are loved with an everlasting love, that you have been chosen by God, and that he has died for you. That is a powerful love. When we surrendered our lives to Jesus, the Bible says there was a celebration in heaven 
whenever we got saved. Wow. You think God loves you? Wow. Yes, little meek, timid, introverted, embarrassed, embarrassed to speak out. You are loved with an everlasting love. Jesus died for you. Jesus chose you. And when you got saved, they rejoiced in heaven because you had come to know Jesus Christ as your Savior and Lord. That's how valuable you are. <laughs> you know, when you celebrate something, now whenever we get to the point, we ought to celebrate that we got air conditioning today. When we get to the point that we're ready to burn the mortgage on this building and it's not going to be too long up the road, we're going to have us a party. I'm telling you, we are going to celebrate big time. But I'm telling you right now, anytime you celebrate something, it means it's important to you. And the Bible says every time a person accepts Jesus Christ, as their Savior and Lord, there is rejoicing in heaven over one sinner that repents than on 99 who need no repentance. That's how powerful you are. That's how valuable you are in the eyes of God. We're not an afterthought of God. You're not an accident that he's trying to do something with. He knew us and he established us Look at Jeremiah 1.5. I want to put that up on the board. You've heard me repeat it a time, several times. Jeremiah 1.5. He says in, in scripture here, Before I formed thee in the belly, I knew thee. And before you came forth out of the womb, I sanctified thee, and I ordained thee a prophet to the nations. God loves you so much, you are so valuable to him that he had the purpose for your life picked out before you were ever born. Hallelujah. He said, before you came out of the womb, I sanctified you and I ordained you a prophet to the nations. That's how valuable you are. It thrills me to watch these young couples as they await the arrival of that new one, that new baby. They'll spend time talking to that baby. Even, even before it's born, they're playing certain music so the baby, the baby can be aware of the kind of atmosphere he's coming to. I mean, they take great pride, the, many of these young couples, to take care of that new baby that's coming into their home, and well, they should. But I want to tell you out of all of the babies, God has every one of them in his eyes. We're just focused on that one we're going to have. But God's got them all in his sight all around the world. And he's already got their plan, their purpose, and his will picked out for them even before they are ever born. I'd say you're pretty valuable. So don't you go along with this thing that Satan's trying to tell you that you're not worth very much. You're just a nobody and a nothing. 
you remind him you're loved with an everlasting love. You remind him that Jesus died on the cross for you. You remind him that God chose you before you were ever even born. He anointed you and called you as a prophet to the nations. You're a valuable person. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Now, we've been talking a lot about faith recently. Miss Linda's been teaching us about it for several weeks on Wednesday night. And the second lie that the devil tells us is that we have no faith or too little faith. And I want you to understand here, I believe that many times we are just disappointed because some of our prayers didn't come to pass at the time we thought they would. And therefore we question the greatness of God. But I want to tell you the, the real key to faith, I think, is that I don't have to look at me and myself and my ability. I look at him and his ability. If I get my eyes off of me, because if I look at me, I can't do any of this stuff. I was an old farm boy, a, a, a son of a sharecropper from a poor family. We was raised out in the sticks. I used to turn a bucket up and stand up on top of the, well, they call it a pail now. Everybody knows what a bucket is around here, don't you? I'd turn that bucket over and I'd stand on it and I'd preach to those weeds out there because God had put it in my heart even as a child. And I was the least of the least. Who would have ever thought that I could ever do what the Lord has called me to do and has graced me to do for over 50 years now? I tell you, I have to give God all the glory and all of the praise and all of the honor today. If I'd followed in the footsteps of many of my family, I would not have finished school. I would not have done any of the things that the Lord has blessed us to be able to accomplish. I would have fallen right into that old rut of poverty and being stricken with bad luck. But thank God he gave us an eye to see beyond the normal and we could look to the heavens and know that God had something bigger and better in mind for us. So I want to tell you when he tells me I have little faith, I said, man, you don't know what you are talking about. Vance Havner said it is a trick of Satan to get us occupied with examining our faith instead of resting in the faithful one. If I'll quit looking at myself, Stuart Briscoe says, faith is only as valid as its object. You could have tremendous faith in very thin ice and drown. You could have very little faith in very thick ice and be perfectly safe. So, because we know what we have faith in, we know, we're like the apostle, for I know who I have believed. And I am persuaded that he is able, glory to God, to keep that which I have committed unto him against that day. Now if God is all that, then I ought to be looking to him to do all this stuff. 
and not wondering whether or not I can do it. Because I can't do it. I don't have the ability to do it. I, I can't even get up there and talk very long. But when the anointing of the Holy Ghost begins to flow and begins to move, then I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. My ability does not rest in me. My ability rests in the fact that I can do all things through, through, through Christ. So, my faith is strengthened because my trust is in Him and not in me. So whenever you start believing the Lord for healing and you don't see it manifested in your body as quickly as you think it ought to, then we begin to get all tied up and all wondering, well, I wonder, I wonder if, if God is really going to heal me instead of declaring, Lord, by whose stripes we were healed. You are a healing God. You are a mighty God. You are an awesome God. There's nothing you can't do. And Lord, I'm trusting you. If I never see it, I'll still trust you. If it never happens to me, I'll still trust you all the days of my life. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Faith is a gift from God. Ephesians 2.8 says, For by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God. God gives us faith. Faith is a divine result coming from a divine influence. Romans 10, 17 says, For then faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. Now I'm giving you a lot of scriptures today because I want you to see, I'm not just talking off the top of my head. I'm telling you what the word of God says. And I have power and I have authority in the name of Jesus. I am not a weak, puny, weakling who can't do anything. I am a successful child of God because my trust is in the Lord. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Remember, Jesus talked about the potency of faith. He said that if we have faith as a grain of mustard seed, that we could say to this mountain, be thou removed, and be thou cast into the sea, and it shall come to pass as thou hast said. Now the key there is not the size of the mustard seed. The key is that the seed has to be planted. As long as it is something for you to just admire, look at that little seed. It has the potential to grow a mustard tree. I mean, in, literally in those days, they made big bushes and birds would, would pitch in the, in the limbs of them. But if you look at that little seed, it has no power within itself if, as long as you just admire it and look at it. But when you plant it into the ground, something supernatural begins to happen. The law of sowing and reaping begins to take place. 
and all of a sudden there's a new life coming up out of that little old dead seed, glory to God, and it will begin to spring forth. I'm telling you that faith that you have, you might not think it's very much faith, but when you plant that faith, when you use that faith, when you put it to the test, it will grow up and it will become a big bush for the other people to find rest in your presence. Glory to God. Hallelujah. I want to walk in anointing and power. I want to walk in the power of the Holy Ghost. I want to be able to speak over people and they'll know that it's the Word of God being given to them. I want to be able to lay hands on the sick and they shall recover in the name of Jesus. I'm believing God, not because I have these abilities, not because I can do these things, but I can take what the Lord has given me and plant it into the seed of opportunity. And you'll see the Lord then begin to come forth with a mighty shout. Glory to God forever. Stop holding back. Stop holding back. Stop believing you're just a little old, weak, frail somebody and you can't do what other people can do. I want to tell you, you are valuable in the eyes of God. And the Lord has called you to move forward in the name of Jesus. Plant that seed of faith and watch what the Lord can do. Hallelujah. You say, well, I just don't have very much to offer. You need to remember, Moses only had a rod and the greatest empire in the world was brought to his knees. Rahab had a little scarlet thread and her whole household was saved. Samson only had a donkey's bone and all of Israel's, a thousand of the, of the, of the enemy was destroyed because of that. David had a sling and a giant was defeated. The widow woman had a pot of oil and great provision came to her house. Dorcas only had a needle and thread and many people were blessed. Little boy only had five loaves and two fish and thousands were fed. Don't think you've got to be the biggest and the best and the brightest. Don't think you've got to be on the top all the time or you'll never be able to see anything accomplished for the kingdom of God. I'm telling you a little as much when God is in it. I'm telling you if you'll take that little seed and if you'll plant it into the ground and watch what the Lord will do, I dare you to try it. I dare you to try it and watch what the Lord will do in your life. Let's stand together. Hallelujah. God, I bless you. And I praise you today. Hallelujah. What an awesome God you are. Oh, you're an awesome God. You're a wonderful God. Hallelujah. We praise you, Lord. We praise you, Lord. We thank you. In all of our weakness, you are our strength. In all of our inabilities, you make us able to do whatever needs to be done. Because you have called us to do what we can't do. But we only can accomplish it under your strength and your power. God, I worship you today. And I thank you. I wonder, I wonder 
How many of us in this place today? Say, preacher, you have certainly spoken to me today. Because I've always felt like I just was not good enough. I was not bright enough. I was not strong enough. I wasn't talented enough. I couldn't do all these things that other people could do. And it intimidated me. And I felt weak because of it. And I felt like I, I wasn't any good to the kingdom of God because of it. And I want to be set free from that feeling today in the name of Jesus. I wonder if there's anyone in here who would like to join me at this altar 